This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I am delighted to welcome Gil Winch to the show. Gil is the founder of Call Yakol, also known as CY, a one-of-a-kind for-profit social business staffed and managed primarily by people with disabilities. Gil, welcome to the show. I'm delighted that you're with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so let's dive in. We've got this gorgeous new book that launches today. Congratulations. Very exciting. But I'd love for our global audience to understand CY. And as I read in the intro, it is truly a unique business. So tell me why you started it and what makes CY unique. Well, 20 years ago, someone just told me a stat um, that worldwide people with disabilities are generally unemployed, 70 or 80 percent of them. And people with severe disabilities are almost completely unemployed. And when I heard it first, it made sense. But when I went home and I thought about it, about it enough, it didn't make sense anymore. So why are people with wheelchairs um, out of a job? 80% of the people who are legally blind have sight left and can function on a computer. Why are they out of a job? I, I thought to myself, what do all these people do at home all day? Well, screens and uh, phones. But what do most people do at work all day? screens and phones. And it, it occurred to me that it can't be that globally people with disabilities are out of a job because they lack ability, because their being out of a job apparently has got nothing to do with their specific disability. Most of them we can overcome nowadays. It didn't explain it, and it stuck with me, and, and that's, what the, that's what got the ball uh, rolling, um, basically. So how did CY come to be? So I figured if I could build a showcase um, which would hire mainly people with disabilities and I could prove that we are a free market organization, everybody gets regular wages and regular productivity, then I could use that showcase to change people's ideas, people with disabilities themselves, governments, uh, uh, other employers, regarding 10 to 15% of the world population that's really suffering at home most of the day. So I thought if I could build this showcase, which would be a regular for-profit business, um, and we would survive managed and staffed by, by a team of people who have mostly never worked before, then, then I could actually change the world. Is It was the general idea, and, and that's what I set out with. I thought I'd understand what the real reasons for their, dis for their unemployment is and then I'll uh, build solutions to the reasons I'll hear and then I'll open a business and I'll change the world. That was my thinking around 20 years ago. Well, and indeed you are changing the world for the better. I'm intrigued that it is a for-profit social business. It's an interesting yeah. term. Tell me more about that and, and why you very intentionally went for a for-profit business. Yeah, that, that's a very important and good question. Um, I wanted to prove beyond doubt that people with disabilities could do as well as other people. And if we would have opened a foundation, everyone said, yeah, but you know, it's not real. It's a foundation. 
So it had to be a business in order to, to, to make the proving of the point easier. But I also needed it. I also needed to be able to prove regular productivity. And that's when I decided for us to become a outsource call center because there'll always be, I figured, other teams doing the same work my teams are doing, and it would be very easy to have an apples-to-apples comparison of who's doing better. So nobody could actually argue about the regular productivity. However, I didn't, I didn't open this business to, to, to reach maximum profit or, or to get rich of it. So we decided to call it a social business. It's a for-profit but it's a social business in maybe in two major things. One, we don't, uh, we haven't given out any dividends and uh, over these years. And the second thing is no one in the company can earn more than five times anyone else. So if management wants to earn more, they have to help all the rank and file earn more, enable for them to do that. So everybody um, earns regular wages, but um, they're the modest part of the scale of regular wages. And, and that's how we started out as a social business and the way at least we, uh, um, we, we decided to go. So Gil, you are an organizational psychologist now turned entrepreneur. And what I'm hearing, which is so extraordinary, is that you're aspiring to end workplace exclusion by honoring this incredible population of people who've been underestimated and overlooked. So how is it going? Um, well, it's going really well on one uh, in one area and not so well in the other area. The area it's going really well in is the actual proving of it. Um, we have hundreds of employees. Two-thirds of our managers and staff are severely disabled individuals. And the third are just other underdog populations, ex-cons, older people, uh, single parents, uh, uh, transgenders, people who can't find, seem to find their place elsewhere, often find it um, with us. And we have a committed, happy, highly, highly engaged team of employees and managers. And from that perspective, it's going wonderfully. We are proving that not only can um, the Paralympic team, if you will, uh, actually compete in the regular Olympics, we can actually get on the podium every now and then. We, we are considered professional and, and a really, really good outsource call center. I thought that that showcase would be strong enough to change the world. And 70 countries have visited and academia has written about us. And really, nothing really has changed in the world. And I realized that a few years ago, that despite all our efforts and, and the wonderful things going on in CY, word really isn't getting out. And I realized that we have acquired very, very specific and important knowledge about how to enable people to succeed in the world workplace, what the workplace has to do to enable that, and not just how you have to prepare the, the people themselves. And, and I realized that that knowledge has to be out there. And that's basically what got me writing the book, just so we can take our playbook and, and put it out there so other companies and individuals and employers who, who want to hire people with disabilities will know how to go about it because we pretty much do everything differently. Nearly opposite as it's done in regular uh, uh, corporate America. So, so the knowledge, I feel it really is important. And that was the main motivation for writing the book. 
Well, I'm glad that we've got you on the show talking to a global audience who can understand this too. I want to pull a thread because you said something that I find so gratifying that the the amazing people in your organization are performing at that Paralympic uh, medal earning quality, which is terrific. But the culture seems so supportive and inclusive and uh, everybody seems to have each other's back and enjoy working yeah. together, which is so good to hear because that's not happening in many other organizations. So can you speak to that culture? Why is it working so well? And how do we get more of that? Okay. That's, um, I think I think culture is extremely important in, in generally in workplaces and civilizations and communities. I think it's extremely important and very very powerful. Um, and if you think about it, us Homo sapiens have been providing for our families um, within a tribe for millions of years, even before we were Homo sapiens. It's always been within a tribe, and it's actually only in the past two hundred years when we actually need to leave our home and go and provide working for people who aren't part of the tribe and we're not part of their tribe. Now, when you work within a tribe, everyone knows who you are, you know everyone else, and there's basic caring. For you as an individual, everyone contributes and everyone's important. Of course, you can have fights and, 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 and stuff like that in a tribe, but still the basic caring is there. And we lack that in our workplaces today. We leave our house and we go to work in places where we are an asset at the end of the day. There's no warmth, there's no caring, and we are social animals. We've evolved to provide and spend our time within a community that knows us and cares for us. And that's why so many people today suffer from work-related stress and anxiety and depression and, and, and no work-life balance. It's because we are working in cold, emotionally cold places. And what we did in CY is we developed a way to create a human, warm culture of caring. And I think caring is the most important word in management. And if you put caring in Google Scholar and look at how many articles there are about caring and management, you, you won't find any. It, it's not considered a managerial word, caring unless it's a caring home, and then it's a different thing. But caring isn't part of the managerial language, and I think it's the most important word there. And if people feel really cared for as individuals by their managers and by the people they work alongside, they will give you the best they have to give every day, every day for the long term. And it creates such a close-knit community, and people become so engaged and it becomes so important to them that you really manage to get a team who does amazing things together and really has each other's back. And I think that's so lacking in corporate America and other corporations around the world. And, and that's why, really, that's keeping so many people out of the workplace, people who need that warmth. But it's also making so many of us suffer. And it's really bad for profit. And, you know, Gil, it's easy to change. I, I so appreciate how you said the culture of care and the idea of caring and compassion is not in the definition of manager or leader. And my goodness, it should be. So thank you for having the courage to bring that forward. We're going to be right back after a quick break. Hello there. It's Caroline Dowd Higgins. I know that hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. 
You need a speaker who can customize content to meet your goals and someone who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Meeting planners around the world have recognized me for being easy to work with and uniquely suited to create dynamic programming for your needs. My style is high energy and engaging with practical takeaways that participants can implement in their lives and careers immediately. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create healthy workplace cultures, or prevent burnout in your organization, I create customized content to help recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. From the boardroom to the training room or the convention hall, I will help your audience thrive. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So Gil, let's pick up on that thread about the culture of care. I'd love for you to tell me a bit about the lioness and your concept of reserved employment for the opportunity deprived. Um, I'd be very, very happy to because both of them are very important. I think every organization, it doesn't matter who it employs, will have people that every now and then are having a tough stretch in their own personal life. Sometimes it's, it's a really tough stretch. Uh, you can have like a, a couple with, uh, uh, with three kids uh, um, on, the, on, on, the, on the spectrum and, and they're having such a hard time at home. Or you could have someone who's, who, who's an employee of yours, but their spouse is having problems and, uh, and financial problems and, and creating debt that's putting them under. People can sometimes have a tough time, and they often won't go to human resources to talk about it because they're afraid of the repercussions and they're afraid it might be used against them at some point. And we developed this function called the Lioness, and... Um, her yearly budget is zero, um, but her job is to help our employees with life problems that have absolutely nothing to do with work, just so they can focus and concentrate on succeeding at work. And I'll just give you two or three short examples about the things she does. Um, people sometimes really have legal problems. They can't pay for any legal aid. It just sucks them under, and, and they never get their head above water again. So the lioness will find a lawyer who will happily pro bono help this or that employee um, get out of that state, um, put together like a financial package uh, that they will pay back their debt uh, in small increments and be able to keep on making a living for themselves. Um, that would be one example. And a totally different one would be um, this really pretty woman we have working for us that um, was getting... Um, blind quickly. She has Usher syndrome, which is horrific. You get blind and deaf quickly. And we saw her moping around one day and, and we asked what's up because we, we stop when someone's moping. And she said that her, her partner of many years um, left, which was okay as far as she's concerned, but he took all her pictures and or their pictures. And she was afraid that she won't remember what she looks like because she's getting blind so quickly. Mm. which if you think about it is really horrific <laughs> when we all have these like yeah. stupid little concerns, there's a different one for you. But within a week, she was sitting there with her own book because the lioness had put together a team of a stylist and, and a makeup artist and a photographer and, and, and prepared a like sort of a book for her. 
so she can sit and, and, and engrave in her memory what she looks like in her prime. So it could be anything that keeps people, um, takes away bandwidth from people who need it at work, and the lioness will step in. She won't provide money. She won't help people who have gambling problems, but she will help them find a place that will help them take care of the gambling problems, um, that, that does addiction stuff, things like that. So she's a really, really important part of our model because I think about 70% of managers and staff in, in, in the company have needed her help direly um, at some point or another. And I think companies should have that resource for their employees, not an official resource, but people who utilize good people in the community around us. And people are so eager to be kind and to help. It's a wonderful thing. And she's never lacking of, of, of people who want to step up and, and help our employees with that or the other. So she's actually a, a person. She is on, she it's a role. The lioness is actually a human being who's helping. This is a role in, in CY. Yes, it's a horribly difficult one because it's 24-7. For instance, we have a yeah. blind person with a CI dog, but also epileptic. So if he gets a seizure on Saturday, um, they don't take the dog to hospital, but the dog can't get along without him and he can't get along without the dog, but he's just had a seizure, so he's unconscious. Who gets the phone call? He has no family. The lioness will get the phone call. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. And, and, and she'll take care of it. It's, it's, it's a very, very difficult position. That's why we recommend that more than one people do it. But for us, we have someone who is so capable and has so much giving in her that she does it on her own. Um, she's my wife. We married about 30-something years ago. So that's, that's how I know it's a 24-7. And she really is such an amazing kind and capable individual we wouldn't we wouldn't manage without someone like her. oh my goodness so oh it's 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 really it's really really important as far as i um as far as i can see and if you really want to put together a culture of kindness the most important thing is it has to be a top-down culture it has to start with the ceo and it's not something that you need to address once it's something that you need to constantly constantly address um, and and make sure it's 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 make sure everybody, including uh, uh, senior management, that everybody feels cared for, as an individual. And it's amazing to see what happens. For instance, we had a higher up, someone from from the senior management, go through some really difficulties in their private life, and every time they had a really especially bad bad stretch, they just rushed back to the call center so they can get hugged and feel the love of the people they manage because it's people managing people. And if you are higher up the rank, it just gives you one um, prerogative. You can make decisions more than other people, but it doesn't make you better than them. So if, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're feeling down, then you'll go to the call center to soak up the love and the caring, which is so abundantly clear. People walk in and they say, wow, what's going on here? It's a different place. Well, I, I love I love how you said if we see someone moping, we ask and we dig a little deeper. That is a, a caring culture. And quite often in another organization, you would just let that person be alone mm -hmm. and, and shake not it off. ask Tell them, them to how shake they it are off. and how you could support them. <laughs> right, right. So, Gil, I, I heard you say that this has to be a top-down culture, and I agree with you uh, 100%. But 
How else do you believe that we can get the corporate world to change its inclusion policies and work culture to really reflect what you're doing? So I think there's one thing which we can all do. It's easy to do. And I think people will be horrifically surprised by how effective this would be. And um, because it's just to copy something that happened in a different industry. In 1990, it became mandatory to put food labels on food packages. And it seems like a stupid thing, but before that, there weren't any, and people didn't know what they're eating, and it was not good for their health. Now, all the food manufacturers knew that they don't have food labels, and it's not so good for their customers' health, but it costs money to do that, so until it became mandatory, no one actually did it. I want the same thing to happen when it comes to diversity and inclusion. I would like every major brand mandatorily on their homepage, have a label with their true diversity outcomes. You won't find any diversity reports regarding people with disabilities. They're 15% of the population. We don't know how many of them are working for you people. America has nearly 10% of the adult population in America has been in prison. Ex-cons have a much more difficult time finding a job than other people, but we never know how many ex-cons are actually hired by this or that company. So Amazon can talk about uh, uh, um, warehouse shortages and, and people shortages, but there are millions and millions of ex-cons dying for a decent job. So if we could pressure, and I'll tell you how we can, companies into having a diversity label on their homepage, then we could decide if we want to afford this company with our custom or not judging by the level, the true level of the diversity. Everybody's just... Um, you know, you got very, you get very, very little true information about the the makeup of large brands' workforces. They'll talk about um, people with color or Hispanics. That's what the labor department still still calls uh, on people from South America, and um, and you'll hear about Native Americans. Nothing about ex-cons. Nothing about uh, people with disabilities, other minorities. Nothing about the gender wage parity, which is 20% in America, 34% in the rest of the world, nothing about that. If everybody used once a day the hashtag diversity labels in their social media, just once a day, that would pressure companies to start giving us the real information about the diversity outcomes, not just the talk. People are great when it comes to the talk. The walk is very, very disabled, though. So if if people, if we could coerce companies into actually doing that, then we could reward or penalize them with our custom, and that would be extremely powerful. And it would create real change. People couldn't hide anymore. Gil, I love that. And I'm going to repeat that. Hashtag diversity labels, because we need to have accountability with this. Yeah. Once a day, that's all it takes. 15 seconds. Just use it somewhere. Fantastic. Gil Winch, I learned so much from you. Thank you for sharing your your time and your expertise. I want to tell our global audience the title of this extraordinary new book. It's called Winning with Underdogs, How Hiring the Least Likely Candidates Can Spark Creativity, Improve Service, and Boost Profits for Your Business. And of course, it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. Gil, thank you for the transformational work that you're doing and for sharing your wisdom on the show today. I'm deeply grateful. Thank you so much for having me. I I really had a lovely chat and it was 
so nice to see that, that you're really knowledgeable about the things you talk about. It makes things so much more fun for me and other guests, I guess. You are most welcome, Gil. You take good care. And I want to thank our listeners for subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And they know that if they leave us a review, it will help new listeners find us online. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.